Good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to welcome all of you to our second quarter earnings conference call. Joining me today is our Chairman and CEO, Mark Hurd, and CFO, Kathy Lesjack. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that this call is being webcast live. The webcast and the second quarter earnings slides presentation, including non-GAAP reconciliation tables, can be accessed on the HP Investor Relations webpage under Company Information at www.hp.com. A replay also will be available shortly after the conclusion of the call for approximately one year. Next, it's my duty to inform you that the primary purpose of this call is to provide you with information regarding the second fiscal quarter. However, some of our comments and responses to your questions may include forward-looking statements. These forward-looking statements are based on certain assumptions and are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties, and actual future results may vary materially. I encourage you to read the risks described in HP's SEC reports, including but not limited to its quarterly report on Form 10-Q for the fiscal quarter ended January 31, 2007, and its annual report on Form 10-K for the fiscal year ended October 31, 2006. As in prior quarters, the financial information presented and discussed in connection with this call, including tax-related items, reflects estimates based on information available at this time. As such, these amounts could differ materially from the amounts ultimately reported in HP's Form 10-Q for the first quarter ended April 30, 2007. I'd also like to point out that earnings, gross margins, operating expenses, and similar items discussed at the company level are sometimes expressed on a non-GAAP basis and therefore have been adjusted to exclude certain items, including in-process R&D, amortization of goodwill and purchase intangibles, restructuring charges and net pension curtailment gains or losses. A presentation of GAAP financial information for the second quarter and fiscal year to date and a reconciliation of non-GAAP amounts to GAAP are included in the tables accompanying today's earnings release, which is also available on the HP Investor Relations webpage under company information at www.hp.com. Finally, and with a view to allowing time for questions from multiple firms, please refrain from asking multi-part questions or clarifications. With that, I'll turn the call over to Mark. Well, uh, thanks. Um, all that just so we could tell you the results. Um, good afternoon, and, and, and thanks for joining us. Um, HP delivered a strong second quarter. We had solid revenue growth, sure gains in key businesses, expense discipline, margin expansion, record cash from operations, and significant share buybacks. While we continue to invest in the long-term health of our various businesses, we drove further operating margin improvements across the company, with a year-over-year operating profit increase of 68% in the personal systems group, 36% in the technology solutions group, and 12% in the imaging and printing group. Financial highlights of the quarter include revenue growth of 13% year-over-year, or $3 billion to $25.5 billion. This represents our highest growth rate since 2000 and brings our year-to-date growth to $5.4 billion. Year-over-year operating margin expansion in all of our non-financing businesses, with personal systems margins of 4.8%, imaging and printing margins of 16.3%, enterprise storage and server margins of 8.8%, HP services margins of 11.1%, and HP software margins of 8%. Non-GAAP operating margin of 9%, up from 8% in the prior year period. Non-GAAP EPS of $0.70, up 30% when you exclude a $0.15 favorable tax item in the prior year quarter. $4.2 billion of cash from operations. $4.2 billion of share repurchases. While posting these strong second quarter results, we continue to deploy our capital into longer-term strategic initiatives that will strengthen Hewlett-Packard's competitive positioning in the market. We're investing heavily in our real estate and data data center consolidation programs to significantly improve our cost structure in future periods. 
and we made a number of acquisitions that extend our existing technology solutions to new markets and to new customers. Turning now to the business segments in the second quarter results. Imaging and printing had a strong quarter. Revenue grew 6% year-over-year to $7.2 billion, with supplies revenue growth of 10%. Revenue in commercial hardware up 3%, and consumer hardware revenue down 2%. Total printer hardware units grew 11% year-over-year, driven by commercial printer hardware unit growth of 21% and consumer printer hardware unit growth of 7%. Commercial hardware shipments continue to be led by our strong lineup of printer-based MFPs and color laser printers, which grew 40% and 19% respectively. HP Indigo Press printed page volume continued to show solid growth, up 43% over the prior year period. Supplies revenue grew 10%, which helped us drive IPG operating margins to 16.3%. This is the highest in 10 quarters. And while we're pleased with this bottom line performance and may achieve this level of margin from time to time, on balance, we expect operating margins to be in the 14 to 15% range that we've guided as appropriate for this business. We'll continue to execute our strategy of leveraging the strength of our core printing business to aggressively invest in our growth initiatives, which we expect will extend our printing leadership into new markets. For example, the second quarter, we began shipping our edgeline-based departmental MFPs and expanded our portfolio of business inkjet products, demonstrating our ability to scale our printing technology across multiple segments and categories. Moving out of personal systems, which had an outstanding quarter, with excellent revenue growth, market share gains, and strong margin performance. Revenue grew 24% year-over-year to $8.7 billion, with unit shipments up 30% and double-digit revenue and unit growth in every region. Consumer demand for our products remains strong, with consumer client revenue up 41% over the prior year period, driven by notebooks as we continue to take advantage of the market shift towards mobility and the strength of our retail channels. Overall, notebook revenue grew 45% over the prior year period, with double-digit growth in consumer and in commercial notebooks. Revenue in desktops grew 9% year-over-year, while revenue in workstations grew 19%. Our top-line momentum continues to drive market share gains, and according to the preliminary first quarter calendar data, or the first calendar quarter data, HP grew units two and a half times the market rate, extended its leadership position, and gained share across each region. While achieving these top-line and shipment results, segment operating profit was a record $417 million, or 4.8% of revenue, up from 3.6% in the prior year period. On a year-over-year basis, PSG grew operating profit $169 million, the largest increase of any of our segments. We'll continue to balance revenue growth and profitability by managing our costs, investing in market opportunities, and leveraging our strength in notebooks, consumer, and in emerging markets. Moving now to the Technology Solutions Group, enterprise storage and servers grew revenue 8% year-over-year to $4.6 billion. Operating profit was $407 million, or 8.8% of revenue, up from 7.5% in the prior year period. We had a strong quarter in industry standard servers with revenue up 17% year-over-year and share gains in every region. Within industry standard servers, we continue to show strength across server blades with second quarter revenue up 58% over the prior year. We expect these blade results will drive significant share gains for the quarter and extend our leadership in this important product category. 
In the future, we will also include integrity and storage blades in our blade results. Revenue and storage grew 1% year-over-year. Weakness in tape and the high end was offset by ongoing strong performance of our flagship mid-range EVA external array business, which grew 10% versus the prior year, recording the 10th consecutive quarter of double-digit growth. Based on preliminary data, we believe EVA will gain market share with these solid results. Business critical systems revenue decreased 6% year-over-year. We continue to see strong integrity momentum with revenue growth of 60% over the prior year period. In the second quarter, integrity represented 61% of business critical systems revenue, and that's up from 36% in the prior year period. Integrity momentum was offset by ongoing declines in PA risk and in alpha. Across ESS, we continue to take leadership positions in the fastest growing segments of the IT industry. We're building our operating model and aligning our resources to take advantage of these market shifts, which we believe define the future of IT and the next generation data center. We had a solid quarter in HP services, with revenue growth of 7% over the prior year period to $4.1 billion. On a year-over-year basis, outsourcing services and consulting and integration grew 12% and 8% respectively. Revenue and technology services grew 3% year-over-year. HP Services delivered operating profit of $459 million, or 11.1% of revenue, up 2.2 points year-over-year, or an increase of $114 million. We achieved these results while continuing to make investments that we expect will improve our unit cost of delivery, increasing the standardization and automation of our service offerings, and improving our competitive position. We're making good progress, but we have more investments to make and more work to do. HP software revenue grew 58% over the prior year period to $523 million, led by strong growth from the businesses acquired in our purchase of Mercury Interactive. On a year-over-year basis, HP OpenView grew 6%, excluding Mercury, and HP OpenCall declined 13. HP software reported an operating profit of $42 million, or 8% of revenue, up from a profit of $3 million, or 0.9% of revenue in the prior year period. Second quarter results include integration charges from the Mercury acquisition, which offset solid operational performance. We have worked our way through about through half the acquisition-related charges we expect to incur in fiscal year 07. HP Software performed ahead of plan, and I am pleased with our efforts to date and the contribution of our integrated management team. HP Financial Services revenue was $550 million, or up 6% year-over-year. Volume and net portfolio assets increased 8% and 6% over the prior year period, respectively. Operating margin was 6.5%, down from 7.5% in Q2 of last year. The year-over-year margin decline reflects a decrease in net recoveries from bad debts relative to the prior year period. We're encouraged with growth in financing volume over the last several quarters and are focused on continuing volume momentum while balancing portfolio risk. I'll conclude my segment comments by reiterating that we had a strong second quarter across across the portfolio. As a company, we are executing on the plans we've laid out, delivering on our commitments to customers and investors, and effectively balancing our growth, investments, and cost reduction opportunities. With that said, I don't want to confuse you. We are still transforming. We are not close to being done. We have many cost reduction opportunities. And let me give you an example about one. We look at costs as everything between revenue and operating profit, and as a result, we have a lot of costs. Our overhead cost, which is a piece of that cost, which includes IT, real estate, and corporate support functions, will decline more 
from the beginning of fiscal year 07 through fiscal year 09 than they have from fiscal year 05 and fiscal year 06. Decline more in dollars. And as we continue to scale our businesses even more on a cost-per-unit basis, we have more work to do, but we're not confused about what we need to do. We will get this cost out, and we will continue to focus on growth at the same time. With that, I'll turn it over to Kathy. Thanks, Mark, and good afternoon, everyone. As Mark just indicated, Q2 was a strong quarter for Hewlett-Packard, and I am pleased with the company's performance. Today, I'll walk you through our Q2 financial results, beginning with a review of the total company income statement. Revenue of $25.5 billion for the quarter was up 13% year-over-year, or up 10% when adjusted for the effects of currency, which is within the guidance issued last week. On a contribution basis, personal systems contributed to to the strong revenue growth. We also saw broad strength in our key focus areas, such as supplies within imaging and printing, HP software, industry standard servers within enterprise storage and servers, and consulting and integration and outsourcing within HP services. On a regional basis, revenue was up 11% in the Americas, up 14% in EMEA, and up 16% in Asia-Pacific. When adjusted for the effects of currency, revenue was up 11% in Americas, 7% in EMEA, and 13% in Asia-Pacific. Second quarter gross margin was 24.5% of revenue, or down 30 basis points from a year ago, reflecting the revenue strength in personal systems and the mixed shift to our integrity and reliant platforms in enterprise storage and servers. This was partially offset by the revenue strength in HP software. Sequentially, gross margin improved 80 basis points over the previous quarter, reflecting normal seasonal patterns in imaging and printing, favorable component pricing in personal systems, and lower service delivery costs in HP services. Non-GAAP operating expense totaled $3.9 billion for the quarter, or 15.5% of revenue, down 130 basis points from a year ago and up 40 basis points sequentially. In dollars, operating expenses were up 4% year-over-year. However, adjusting for currency and acquisitions, expenses were down approximately 2% year-over-year. We continue to optimize our cost structure as we are reinvesting the savings from our cost reduction programs into our growth initiatives such as hiring of sales resources and demand generation. Sequentially, expenses were up 4% in dollars, reflecting normal seasonality, which includes the implementation of our annual salary adjustment effective February 1st. Non-GAAP operating profit was $2.3 billion, or 9% of revenue, up $508 million year-over-year and up $143 million sequentially. Non-GAAP OI&E was $100 million, or roughly $0.03 per share after tax, which is in line with what we had guided for the quarter. On non-GAAP, our non-GAAP tax rate was 20% for the quarter, again, at our guidance. Consistent with our updated guidance, second quarter non-GAAP EPS was $0.70, cents, up from $0.69 cents in the prior period, or an increase of 30%, excluding the $0.15 cent one-time tax settlement gain in Q2 of 06. GAAP EPS was $0.65, cents, which included $145 million, or $0.05 cents per share, in after-tax adjustments that were not included in our non-GAAP results. This includes amortization of purchased intangibles, restructuring expenses primarily associated with the 2007 Enhanced Early Retirement Program, and a pension curtailment gain primarily associated with freezing our U.S. defined benefits pension plan. Now, some comments on our cash balance and cash flow. 
Cash flow from operations and free cash flow achieved record levels in Q2. Cash flow from operations ended the quarter at $4.2 billion, and free cash flow was $3.6 billion. Capital expenditures related to our investments in IT and real estate facilities, as well as growth in operating leases within our financing business. During the quarter, we also had a net cash outlay of $372 million for acquisitions. Q2 share repurchases totaled $4.2 billion. We repurchased $2.2 billion of shares in the open market and completed the prepaid variable share purchase program with the receipt of the final 6 million shares. In addition, we entered into an accelerated share repurchase program for $1.8 billion. In total, approximately 100 million shares were acquired during the quarter. In Q2, we also paid $213 million for our normal dividend. We closed the quarter with total gross cash of $12.3 billion, down from $14.1 billion last year, and up sequentially from $10.4 billion. Net cash was $4 billion, down from $9 billion last year, and $4.6 billion sequentially. Regarding capital expenditures, we continue to expect growth and net capex to trend above fiscal 2006 levels due to the increase in mix of operating leases in our financing business, the build-out of our data centers, and the deployment of capital to consolidate and upgrade our real estate facilities. Moving now to the balance sheet. HP-owned inventory came in at $7.3 billion, down $1.1 billion sequentially and up $510 million year over year. Inventory days of supply stand at 34 days, down five days sequentially and down two days from last year. We are comfortable with our owned inventory position. With regard to channel inventory, we exited the quarter in good shape. Personal systems ended the quarter with approximately four weeks, which is flat versus the prior year, and down one week sequentially as we fulfilled the retail demand of the Vista launch. Enterprise storage and servers entered the quarter at roughly four and a half weeks, up about a half a week year over year, and flat sequentially. Imaging and printing ended the quarter at roughly five and a half weeks, up about a half a week year over year, and flat sequentially. Trade receivables entered the quarter at $11.6 billion, up $1.8 billion year over year and $1.2 billion sequentially. DSO now stands at 41 days due to our revenue linearity, up from 39 days in the prior year period and up from 37 days sequentially. Next, property plant and equipment was up $988 million year over year and $294 million sequentially at $7.3 billion. Gross CapEx was $758 million, up 45% year over year and up 6% sequentially. On a net basis, CapEx was $597 million, up 49% year over year and up 3% sequentially. The year over year increase in CapEx continues to reflect the incremental investments in IT real estate facilities, as well as increases in financing assets. Net PP&E as a percentage of revenue now stands at 7.6% of revenue, up from 7.2% year-over-year and 7.5% sequentially. Regarding accounts payable, days payable closed the quarter at 54 days, up from 53 both year-over-year and sequentially. I would like to now follow up on the announcement we made in our last quarterly earnings call with regards to our decision to both freeze the U.S. defined benefit pension plan and to offer an enhanced early retirement program to eligible U.S. employees. 
We have now implemented these programs and are pleased with the success. Approximately 3,000 U.S. employees participated in the program, of which roughly 20% were included from prior restructuring programs. These employees will leave HP by May 31st. The results of these actions are reflected in our GAAP results, which include approximately $500 million of a curtailment gain, primarily as a result of freezing our U.S. defined benefit program, and approximately $400 million in restructuring charge. Keep in mind that the cash used to fund the Enhanced Early Retirement Program will be funded primarily from pension plan assets, and as such, we do not expect any short-term impact on our cash flow from operations. Finally, a few comments on our outlook before we take your questions. We expect third quarter revenue to be approximately $23.7 to $23.9 billion, growing roughly 8 to 9% year over year, as we have previously guided. On a constant currency basis, revenue typically declines sequentially as Q3 is seasonally our weakest quarter. While the sequential decline implied by our guidance is greater than the historical 3 to 5%, we do not believe it is prudent to set investor expectations that our personal systems business can continue to grow two and a half times the market rate, nor do we think it is appropriate to build a cost structure on that basis. For the full fiscal year, we now anticipate revenue within the range of $100.5 to $100.9 billion, up from our prior guidance of $98 to $99 billion. Regarding earnings, there are many variables we need to keep, you need to keep in mind. With regard to the pension plan changes and our early retirement program, we have included approximately one to two cent benefit to non-GAAP earnings for the second half of FY07, consistent with the guidance we gave last quarter, reflecting the timing of replacement and, to a lesser extent, any labor cost arbitrage. Next, as part of our ongoing business operations, we expect to have workforce rebalancing in Q3 as we continue to optimize our cost structure. As previously communicated, these activities are considered part of normal operations and will be included in our business segment results. Our Q3 and Q4 guidance reflects approximately $0.02 cents per quarter in earnings per share associated with workforce rebalancing as we continue to adjust our cost structure. We expect Q3 non-GAAP OINE to be about $0.04 cents for the quarter and $0.07 cents for the remainder of the fiscal year in line with our previous guidance. In addition, we expect a non-GAAP tax rate of approximately 20% for Q3 2007 and full fiscal year 2007. Per our previous guidance at the December Securities Analyst Meeting, we expect the tax rate in FY08 to increase to 21%. Finally, we expect to continue to repurchase shares in the coming quarters. Of the $8 billion share repurchase authorization approved by the Board on March 15, 2007, we have approximately $7 billion remaining. ShareCamp will be impacted by the share price trends, option exercise pa patterns, common stock equivalents, and, of course, our repurchase activity. At this stage, we expect a modest decline to the remainder of fiscal 2007 from current levels. With this in mind and recognizing our ongoing investments in demand generation, Salesforce hiring, etc., we now expect Q307 non-GAAP earnings of approximately $0.64 to $0.65. Cents representing 23 to 25% growth year-over-year year and full-year FY07 non-GAAP EPS of $2.75 to $2.77, up from our prior guidance of $2.60 to $2.65. With that, we'll take your questions before Mark wraps up on the call with some closing comments. 
And your first question comes from the line of Richard Farmer, representing Merrill Lynch. Please proceed. Thank you. Uh, Mark and, and Kathy, uh, I'd like to ask a question about your gross margin, uh, trying to separate out the uh, mix effects from the rate. Um, in other words, if you separated out the effect of the mix shift in your revenues, um, you know, especially towards PCs, and if we just looked at the uh, aggregate apples-to-apples apples, uh, gross margin rate without that mix shift, uh, can you comment on uh, the trend in your gross margin in the quarter uh, on that basis? So uh, the gross margin year-over-year year change is really all about mix. So there's not only the PC mix that uh, puts a damper on gross margin, but also the trend that we've been seeing over for some time now towards our ProLine and our integrity lines. There is a small there is an offset to that, although it's only partial, and that's in uh, the improved revenue position of HP Software. So it's really impossible to separate out mix effects to get an apples to apples, since the effect is uh, almost entirely mix. So we, I mean, should we presume then that uh, apples to apples, segment by segment, there weren't any significant rate improvements or uh, or, or or you know downward trends in gross margins that. So the only, Richard, the only place I'd, you got to be careful in HP services because most of their cost, you know, creates a margin. So when you see an operating margin, most of that gets affected by gross margin, right? So, so that's the the, the one place you'd want to be cautious in the product segments, which is I think what you're trying to get at. Um, when you looked at below the, the the reported segment level, generally speaking, it's it's just all mix that that that, that drives it. And like anything, Richard, there's stories within the story. But at the HP level, it, it, it's, it's a mixed story. That's, that's the driver. Great. Thank you, Richard. Uh, next question, please. From the line of Goldman Sachs with the next question, we have Laura Canigliaro. Please proceed. Yes, thank you. On the printer side, um, overall printer unit growth was the lowest that it's been in the last four quarters at, at 11%, uh, with a particularly steep drop on the consumer side. Um, why shouldn't we expect this to lead to slower supplies growth in a quarter or so? couple of quarters. Well, you know, we'll see how it goes, Laura, because within supplies growth, it's dependent on not just the printer growth, but the mix of the printer growth, what segment it comes from, what geography it comes from, et cetera. So uh, I could give you a lot of complexity around it. But again, listen, Laura, I remember the days when 11% unit growth in a quarter in IPG was one of our hopes and dreams. So the fact that it, it wasn't 17 or some of the numbers you've seen in the past, 11% is very healthy, and we're sure it's going to be a share-taking uh, kind of position, or we think it will be, based on uh, on the numbers we're looking at. So, you know, we'll see what happens on the Supplies Connect and how it how it lays out. But, again, I'd say 11%, pretty strong number for IPG. Great. Thanks, Laura. Uh, next question, please. And your next question comes from the line of Harry Blunt, representing Lehman Brothers. Please proceed. Hi, guys. Uh, question also related to the printing uh, segment, you clearly were above, as you indicated on your comments, uh, target margins. Can you help us a little bit in understanding whether that upside was principally related to better than expected supplies growth versus your plan, or was that uh, related more to an underinvestment uh, in some of the other targeted areas that you're looking at for future growth? And a little expansion on that would be great. Sure, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll give you here. It, like anything, I can't say yes to any of your questions because it's a combination of the above. I mean, we've certainly got an objective, as you know, we see, we see a lot of revenue opportunity for us in some adjacent segments. And, um, you know, as has been discussed uh, previously publicly, we, we think there are segments that we can do a better job uh, from, from driving growth, and we're investing into those segments as we go, and some of that is the timing of investments. Some of it isn't just – 
whether it's supplies, but it's actually the mix that occurs within it because we get some different uh, uh, numbers depending whether it's toner, whether it's ink, uh, you know, et cetera, as we go. And some of it also comes into the mix of the hardware. And it was just one of those situations where kind of all the dials, you know, spun so that the, the operating margin came a little bit higher. My comments in my script were mainly around the fact that, you know, we're still going to pursue the investments that we think eventually drive significant growth for us that we think can help the overall health of the business. So, uh, that dial will 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 get right. We'll see. Uh, to Laura's earlier question, what happens with the unit growth and the mix as we go forward? And I think it's also important to realize that Q2 is typically our strongest uh, quarter for our printing business. So we would expect that Q2 would come a little bit normally, a little bit above our range for the year. And I'll give my last uh, qualifying comment on top of that. The Q3 is usually our seasonally weakest quarter. So, you know, I think that, that the combination of the two has, has probably a little bit there as well. Great. Uh, thanks, Harry. We'll take the next question, please. And representing UBS, the next question comes from Ben Wrightsis. Please proceed. Yeah, uh, good afternoon, Mark. Really good cash flow in the quarter, um, uh, higher than we expected. Uh, can you talk about how you're tracking versus the goal you said in your analyst day of having free cash flow of about $7.9 billion or, or close to $3 a share in the year, and then how that uh, foots back to your buyback decisions and or acquisition decisions? Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Uh, listen, we feel good about about certainly cash flow from operations. Um, you know, we 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 set a goal early in the year, and we 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 talked about that. We have no change in our view of cash flow from operations on an annual basis. Uh, we'll continue to look at the potential uh, investments uh, that we can make as it relates to buyback. We we've tried to signal we're we're very positive on our shares and so we were active in the market in uh, in in Q2 as it related to share buybacks we continue to evaluate everything from a capital strategy perspective against buying back shares versus making an acquisition that can lead to we think longer term health of the business so you know we think we've got a a very um a sharp capital strategy that takes in, into consideration that we're making the best use of our cash. We expect to produce more cash, as we've described, and we expect to use it against the capital strategy that we've laid out. Great. Thank you, Ben. Thank uh, you. Next question. And your next question comes from the line of Andrew Neff, representing Bear Stearns. Please proceed. Okay. Uh, thanks again. Nice quarter. Two, two things. I guess one thing, uh, maybe uh, if you don't answer that, the second thing. Is can you talk about? Do you want to uh, give any thought at this point to how 08 can shape up? At this point, you've talked about the end of 07 in terms of you know any metrics. In terms of you know, you've talked about growth metrics before, margin metrics. Uh, you talked about some of the expense savings. Can you give any thoughts on that? And uh, if not, can you also uh, give us a thought on what you intend to do on the printer margins? Is there a you want to get back to 13 to 15 percent? And how do you expect to go about doing that? Okay, thanks, Andy. So, I, listen, I can't let your question go by about have I given any thought to 08. So, I uh, just want to make sure you're clear. Have I given any thought to 08? I think about it like a lot. And I think about 09 a lot, and I think about 2010 a lot. So, um, do I think about all that a lot? Yeah, I do. Uh, am I giving guidance for 08, which I think is really what you're trying to get to? No. So, um, those are two separate answers, but I wanted to make sure I bifurcated the questions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we think about everything we do in the context of not, not just short-term delivery, but actually long-term health and long-term delivery of uh, performance for the company. In terms of where we're headed from an, 
from an IPG perspective, we've we've given out more of a 14 to 15 uh, uh, range, and I think that's an appropriate place for the business to be. And I think to Kathy's point, you're going to see some some seasonal differences in performance in, in the business, and some of it's going to relate to investment, some of it's going to relate to our opportunity to take unit share as it relates to high usage segments, some of it's going to relate to where we are in emerging markets, some of it's going to relate to our investments and adjacencies. And I think though, when you when you Rubik's cube all that together, we think the operating mar- margin targets uh, that we gave are, are, are where we're going to land. Thanks very much. Thank uh, you. Thanks, Andy. We'll take the next question, please. And your next question comes from the line of Tony Sakanagi, representing Sanford Bernstein. Please proceed. Uh, yes, thank you. I had a question about software. I was trying to triangulate growth rates with um, what Mercury was doing as a standalone company. Your software grew about $190 million year over year. Um, and it sounds like the um, the legacy uh, software, Open Call, Open View, was about flat. Um, but uh, Mercury was doing about 215 to 225 a quarter last year in the first half as its run rate. Um, so is, is the core Mercury business? Uh, so the implication would be that the the, the Mercury business actually shrunk. Um, uh, can you try and reconcile the data points? Am I missing something? Was something reallocated in terms of how you account? Or uh, h- how do we attribute what seem to be pretty positive comments about your software business with right. um, with those data points? So, Tony, you're on some good points here, and I was all geared up for a currency question, too, so uh, I'm, I'm disappointed because I've done extra homework. Um, but that said, in software, um, you're, you're, you've got some points. First of all, Mercury was excellent. So Mercury was double-digit growth. Uh, operating performance was what we expected. I won't go into more detail than that or better. So uh, Mercury was solid. Um, open view growth um, was 6%, as we, as we described, I think, in the, uh, in, in the script. In open call, which was down 13%, we actually have some hardware that was in open call that we now don't report in the software business. It's not material enough to get into as it relates to the segments, but on a number of the scale you're talking about, it can throw off the metrics uh, a, a bit. But to get to, I think, the core of your question, Mercury was strong, uh, open view was 6% growth uh, in the quarter, and open call was, was what it was. Great. Thank you, Tony. Let's take the next question. And your next question comes from the line of Bill Shope, representing J.P. Morgan. Please proceed. Okay, great. Thanks. Uh, Mark, as you know, there's been some discussion around Dell potentially entering the retail channel this year. Um, have you given any thought or can you give us uh, some idea of how you think that could potentially have uh, an impact on your retail shelf space as that occurs or uh, potentially change the competitive landscape in general over time? No, I don't. I don't. I mean, we think we think about all kinds of different things. We actually have a bunch of competitors that, that, that vie for that shelf space today. So, um, you know, obviously they're going to make decisions that make uh, that make the most sense for their company. We like our position. We like our relationship with those retailers and those channels. And, you know, we think uh, given the situation we're in today, which is also, by the way, a very global set of relationships, a uh, pretty important uh, uh, asset for us. And so we'll work hard to do the best we can to be the best partner to those retailers that we can be. Great. Okay. Thanks, Bill. Uh, we'll take the next question. And with Morgan Stanley, you have a question from the line of Katie Huberty. Please proceed. Thanks, Mark. You bucked the trend of slower U.S. revenue growth that many of your competitors reported last month. And then if we look at your DSOs, clearly pointing to a back and loaded quarter. So can we extrapolate that you experienced a pickup in, in U.S.-based spending in the month of April? 
No, uh, Katie, I would not. I would not extrapolate there, and I understand how you got there by the numbers. I would say that U.S. enterprise behaved roughly as we expected. Um, I wouldn't get um, exuberant about it, nor would I go the other way on it. I mean, it was roughly what we expected, and the uh, uh, the quarter behaved roughly as we expected as well in U.S. enterprise. So we did grow, uh, as you described, in in the U.S. and and uh, we felt good about it, but but it, it behaved roughly as we expected. Great. Thank you, Katie. Uh, next question, please. And your next question comes from the line of Shannon Cross, representing Cross Research. Please proceed. Hi. Good afternoon. Um, could you talk a little bit about the commodity pricing environment and, you know, were there any strategic inventory buys during the quarter? Um well, we're always trying to make strategic buys. We're trying, we're trying real hard to make uh, to make less non-strategic buys, to be to be frank. But anyway, I, I would tell you, memory um, declined a bunch um, over the past several months, and so we think the current prices of memory are are, are unsustainable. But they have gone down. Uh, there's been some pressure uh, upwards on panels. Um, uh, I'd say processor hard drives stable, uh, roughly, you know, uh, um, where where they've been. So that's the way I would describe the commodity environment right now. I hope that helps. Yeah, any thoughts about increasing uh, your, your memory inventory since the prices are so low right now and, you know, potentially hitting this, this, this current quarter? Well, if there was, I probably wouldn't tell you, Shannon, um, you know, in this call. So, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things we're always, um, you know, we're always considering, you know, where we think commodity prices are and to some degree trying to make a judgment on what the optimal time is to take what position. So, you know, we'll continue to do that as we go forward. Thanks. Great. Uh, thank you, Shannon. Uh, we'll take the next call now, please. Next question. And the next question comes from the line of Brian Alexander representing Raymond James. Please proceed. Yeah, I just want to go back to the revenue guidance. Um, you know, for the second half of the year, it looks like you're guiding for decelerating revenue growth. You just did 10% in local currency. I think your guidance is more for 6%, which is still pretty reasonable growth for a company of your size. I just wanted to be clear, is, is all of that deceleration really coming from more normalized growth in the PC business or other other segments where you're expecting slower growth? And if you can just kind of put that in terms of how you view the overall market environment for the back half of the year. Thanks. Yeah, no, I think you got it right on. I mean, it's it's just us going back to a more normalized uh, view of that. And, uh, you know, again, we're going into our weakest quarter seasonally. It's it's typically our weakest quarter in, in, in Q3. So there's a little bit of, 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 of that as well that, of course, hits us. So it, there's no um, strategic deceleration, uh, using the way the term you used, uh, across our segments, other than in, in PSG, when you've got that kind of growth, we, we don't think it's prudent uh, to build a model based on two and a half times market growth um, from a unit perspective as we go forward. So that's not what we're doing. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you, Brian. Okay, next question, please. From the line of Credit Suisse, with the next question, we have Robert Simple. Please proceed. Uh, yeah, thanks, Mark. Just some comments on kind of the impact of Vista in the quarter. I know last quarter you said you expected a kind of limited uptake in terms of units. Obviously, they were stronger than expected, and then you also said systems configurations were expected to improve. What was the uh, what was the end result? Roughly what we expected. I mean, I think we um, we built uh, some inventory uh, at the end of Q1 uh, because of what we thought would happen uh, from Vista, and it did. Um, and you can see what happened back to our to our inventory levels uh, after that. At the same time, you know, we did not expect there to be a Vista moment uh, per se that was going to create this this big elbow from a demand perspective. Um, 
we thought that it would be really helpful the way you described it in terms of the overall ASP environment moving forward. And I think it's still too early to tell, uh, you know, whether that'll be the case long run. But, you know, we've begun to see uh, some some help from Vista, and I think it was helpful to us uh, in the quarter. But this is really more of a longer-running uh, opportunity we see as we go forward as opposed to something that was just unique for the quarter. Any uh, surprises on corporate uptake of Vista, or was it pretty limited? No, I, I, you know the, the the good news about this quarter um, in in that respect was it, it behaved roughly as as um, as we expected, um, and I think you can find any story you want to on Vista. I I know companies that are planning to uh, trade out their entire fleet of PCs in a short time frame to upgrade to Vista. Uh, I also know others they're going to be very slow, you know, so I, I think you can find kind of right now you know any story you'd like to find out there to rationalize your opinion uh, or to support your opinion. I think we're just going to have to see how it goes, and that's why I think we were we were prudent in our modeling for this, and I think it's kind of borne out that way, but it, clearly it's been a benefit to us, so don't don't take me wrong. it's clearly been a benefit to us. Uh, we'll just have to see how it works going forward. okay, thanks. thank you. great. We'll take the next question, please. And from the line of FTN Midwest, with the next question, we have Bill Fernley. Please proceed. Yes, thanks. Two questions here in the enterprise space. Um, you folks have talked about getting more aggressive in the data warehousing segment. Um, would you acquire another company in order to get significantly larger in that business? And then in addition, um, could you talk about um, what, you, what you're expecting here for enterprise demand trends for the back half of the year? You said uh, it was what you had expected in the, in the quarter just reported, but how are you viewing the U.S. enterprise in particular for the back half and the data warehousing question as well? Thanks. Okay, Bill. So we were trying to get to one question per guy, but, you know, okay, I'll, I'll take both. Um, on the uh, data warehousing one, I'll try not to get too technical about it, but, you know, ex buying companies that provide either hardware, you know, standard hardware, standard database stuff would not be uh, of keen interest to us. Um, uh, you know, I'll never say never to anything, but it, it's just not where we'd be headed. We'd be looking for more things like, uh, in that arena, Knightsbridge, like we already acquired, or things that actually add value above above uh, the, the core technology stack. Uh, so that would be more where our focus is, as opposed to to areas that I think you were trying to apply. But we're not we're not working uh, on that again. Never say never to anything, but that's not our focus. Uh, in the U.S. enterprise, um, I really don't have much to add to what. I said earlier. I mean, the U.S. enterprise behaved roughly as we expected in uh, in, in in Q2, um, and uh, it looked steady to us from what we saw in 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 Q1. So um, that would be roughly how I describe U.S. enterprise. Okay, thank you. Uh, we'll take the next question, please. And your next question comes from the line of Lou Muscosha, representing Cowan and Company. Please proceed. Okay, thank you. Mark, you had commented this quarter and last quarter that you're still transforming the company but not close to being done, and then you had uh, provided, I guess, a couple thoughts on overhead. Could you possibly uh, maybe reiterate those, provide maybe some more color and if possible maybe some uh, numbers wrapped around that? Because it sounds like you're suggesting that you've got a uh, significant runway through 09 to uh, take cost out. Yeah, we just have a lot of work to do, right? And, and I think that you know somehow, and I, you know, listen, I'll be, I'll put my hand up as maybe one that's contributed to this. That I think that there's been a lot of people who thought that uh, in 2005, 
you know, we had a lot of rationalization to do of our cost structure. We announced a reduction in our workforce that was significant. And I think there was a belief structure that this was some like one-time thing. And then, gee, everything's perfect or they've, they've run out of ideas or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just, it's just far from what we're working on. And we're working on a long-term model that, you know, our, our scale and our cost structure has to give us an extreme competitive advantage. Um, it may not over a few, but it should over many. And so for us, our our overhead cost, which again, I, 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 I want to rationalize, is just one piece of total cost. And we look at the cost envelope. I actually had one, one, one investor one time that said, let me look at your OPEX and how much can you remove from your OPEX to optimize your cost structure. And my first reaction was, why would you do that? Most of our cost sits above the gross margin line, not in the OPEX line. So we look at every single line, and even a percentage of our, op, of our overhead cost sits in our above the gross margin line because of the business structure that we're in, for example, HP services. So in the overhead cost category, and I'll go back to that, we will actually take out more cost from the beginning of fiscal year 07 through the end of fiscal year 09 than we did through fiscal year 05 and fiscal year 06. And it's because some of the investments that Kathy described in her, in her script take time to take hold. Not all of those are people. Much of that is a change in our DNA, our depreciation and amortization schedules. And you have to line those up over a long-running period of time. And we're making the investments, and I think we've done the right job to look at this strategically as opposed to tactically. And I'm not sure we've done a great job, Lou, of describing that to, to, to the investor base, and we're trying to get better at it. And that's why I wanted to make the example that I used today. Uh, we just still have a lot of work to do, but we're, we're confident we'll get it done. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Lou. Great. We'll take uh, maybe two more questions. Representing A.G. Edwards, the next question comes from David Wong. Please proceed. Thanks very much. Um, could you tell us a bit about your market share gains in uh, PSG and, uh, and X, uh, x86 servers? Do you think these are coming from pricing or are there particular features that uh, uh, your customers want that are making them come to you? So um, I think the best way to articulate that is that we think we've got a really good product lineup. We certainly are not buying the share. We are focused on profitable growth, and we've clearly shown that uh, at the PSG segment level where our operating margins have expanded at the same time that we've grown that top line 24%. So it's really, it's really not pricing alone. Are you able to pinpoint any particular features, though, that you have that others don't seem to? Well, it's again, I think it's different in different markets, depending on whether you're talking about, you mentioned industry standard servers, and you separated that from, from PC products and notebook products and desktop products, and there's a little different story in, in, in each one of those. But, again, there's no question that our margins are, are, are healthy at the same time as we're gaining share, and that happens a lot. I think if you, you know, our unit costs are declining, so we are getting some advantage from unit cost uh, that we have an opportunity to either take to the bottom line or invest in the marketplace. But if you look at our lineup of products, our designs are, are much improved, and our ability to bring features we think to the market that customers want, you know, inclusive of blades, which is helping our, our industry standard server growth. Um, these are all things that have come out of our R&D labs. And, and again, you know, R&D is at the center of our, we're a technology company. And, you know, the fact that we invest in R&D, we expect to be able to bring technology to market that, that, that people want to buy. And we have a lot of pressure, to be very frank with you, on our R&D organization to show up with the best products in the industry. And, and we believe there, 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 there's some examples out there today in both product lines that you referenced of, of, of true innovation that customers, customers value. Great. Thanks. 
Thank you. Great. Okay, let's we'll take the last question here, Operator. And your next question comes from the line of Shaw Wu, representing American Technology Research. Please proceed. Okay, um, thanks. Um, I'm just wondering if you had any comments and thoughts on, um, you know, Michael Dell's comments that he plans to uh, enter the distribution channel uh, more aggressively over the next couple quarters. Thanks. Mm, I don't have any comments on it. I mean, I think obviously that, that you know, they, they need to do what's best for their business and, and what's best for their customers and, and, and decide. Um, you know, we need to do what's best for ours and, and best for our customers, and that's what, we're, that's what we're focused on is doing the best we can for, for HP and HP's customers, and, and uh, that's what we'll continue to focus on. Great. Thanks, Shaw. Okay, with that, I'm going to turn the, uh, the mic back here to Mark. Okay, listen, thanks for the questions. Uh, appreciate that. I'm glad we got a lot of them in. Uh, let me just try to summarize the call by saying I, I think Hewlett Packard had a strong quarter uh, characterized by solid revenue growth, share gains in key businesses. We had good expense discipline. We had margin expansion. We had strong cash from operations and significant share repurchases. Uh, we did this while at the same time continuing the integration of Mercury, strengthening our business with the acquisition of Bristol, PolyServe, Tableau, and Bitphone, initiating our enhanced early retirement program, and making further progress in investments on strategic initiatives that will strengthen Hewlett-Packard's long-term competitive positioning. Given the solid fundamentals within our business, I'm pleased that we're increasing our non-GAAP EPS guidance for the seventh consecutive quarter. Uh, we're off to a good start to the year, and I'm confident we can continue to execute with discipline and deliver a year of strong financial returns. Uh, thank you very much. 